Hello and welcome to this episode of the coaching podcast from British Canoeing. Hello and welcome to the British Canoeing Awarding Body uh, Coaching Podcast. My name is Lee Pooley. I'm the head of coaching for British Canoeing. And as all, as some of you listeners may already know, that I'm looking at a mini series uh, investigating and exploring with experienced and highly regarded coaches their thoughts, approaches to how they decide on what to coach or focus on during a coaching intervention. I'm really pleased and delighted today to welcome Julie. Um, Julie, uh, I've known for many years uh, from Totnes Canoe Club, um, from doing some coach development, uh, and really delighted just to see how much Julie has grown over the years in, in terms of her own paddling experience and, and, and coaching. So welcome, Julie. Hi, Lee. Nice to be here. Cool. Well, thanks very much for giving up your time. And um, let's get straight into let's get straight into the podcast. If you don't mind, could you introduce yourself um, to the listeners, your bit of background from uh, from your paddle sport background and then where you are with your coaching? OK, so I started kayaking about 15 years ago and I was um, uh, nearly 40 at that time um, and I got totally thrown into it by meeting an experienced sea kayaking uh, chat and getting involved and learning the hard way I think by uh, just doing it out on the sea uh, and then um, I got involved with Topness Canoe Club um, and because my eight-year-old daughter was interested in learning kayaking um, I'd not really been in so this was a area um, I uh, joined for her benefit, um, but as happens with clubs, um, I soon got dragged in to, to help, to help coaching sessions, uh, started doing BC awards, um, and I could see at that time that they had quite a lot of coaches in their club, they had about 22 I think at the time, um, but only two of them were women, and although coaching wasn't something that I'd ever thought I would do, there was definitely a bit of a gap there and I thought well I'll help redress the balance I'd like to repay the help that I've had from people um, and uh, I'll no, I'll give it a go so I did my level one I'm a level two and alongside that I was also um, progressing with my own paddling in white water and canoeing and sea kayaking uh, going through the BC award system and uh, um, I then Oh, I've gone blank, Lee. Sorry. All right, it's okay. <laughs> um, what did I? What happened then? Um, I guess. Okay, right. Oh. So I think at this point I started travelling more with the sea hiking. Started going to events, uh, getting coaching from people all over the country, getting far more interesting input, and being much more aware of the. Um, broader coaching environment that's out there um, this really helped I think in many ways for me to understand what group coaching was when you're the person that's uh, on the receiving end of it um, so I kept going with the leadership awards and eventually I did a four star and I kept going kept going um, and eventually this last year did uh, advanced leader award um, in amongst that I was still coaching and uh, quite a lot as well and I thought that perhaps at some point I would do the level three coach although I understood that it was going to change so I left it for a little while and then 
eventually got to do the um, performance coach last year. Um, I think a really key moment in all of this development was when I went to an event up in Scotland, which was the Scottish Women's Sea Hiking Festival um, in Butte, which I ended up almost by chance uh, attending this. And it was such a great event. And they had said that they were going to take a rest from running it. I thought it was a real shame that it wasn't going to continue. So uh, myself and a couple of buddies decided that we would try and run something similar down in Devon. And so we started doing the Women's Sea Hike Festival. Uh, we had 65 participants and we ran that for the first time in 2015. And then we've run it again every other year. We really did it just as a, let's see how this goes. And it just, just has escalated. The feedback's been so great. So that's another area where I've really seen coaching happen and work really well. Um, so I think that's probably about me, where I am now. It's a, uh, you know, such a, you know, such a condensed uh, experience, <laughs> isn't it? You know, over, you know, from you starting paddling, uh, going onto the sea, joining a canoe club. Great shout out for Totnes Canoe Club there. Um, a really thriving uh, canoe club and, um, you know, deliver a lot of opportunities for people in the local area, including youngsters. So it's fantastic to, to see you involved in there. And then, you know, traveling, you know, traveling has been quite a, a big part for you, hasn't it? In terms of traveling oh, to different locations, gaining Absolutely, experience. absolutely. And I think the, you just can't um, replicate the different, um, oh, the, oh, I've gone blank again. Okay. I've run out of words. Hang on, I'll answer that again. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, traveling's been really key for me. Uh, I, I've always loved to travel anyway, and uh, traveling when you're sea hiking, you've got a totally different set of, um, a totally different environment, a set of tidal systems. Yeah, it, it's just so different everywhere you go. And everywhere you go, you would like to explore as well. Mm. So the more places I go to with sea hiking, the more places I want to go because there's just so much to see out there, isn't there? Yeah, um, and it broadens your experience so much. And this is one of the things that I find a little bit frustrating sometimes with the club culture is that some people get into a bit of a, a rut where they'll only paddle certain areas and it really limits the possibilities of what they could be doing mm. um, yeah yeah so julie i'm gonna sort of um you know well, probably quite a hard question but top three top three you uh top three locations that you've sea paddled oh well i have to right at the top there's got to be greenland um we went out uh there to the east side near Disco Bay from Ilulisat, and we were lucky enough to get hold of six boats that we could use and we took four other people, went up the uh, coast of Greenland and that was um, totally amazing. I'd love to go back there again, but of course not at the moment. Yeah. Um, Norway's gotta be right up there. Love Norway, Lufthansa Islands, uh, all along that coast, so much exploring to do there. Gotta go back there as well. Um, and then I think, uh, the UK has so many possibilities. I've really not explored Scotland enough. There's so much more on our doorstep and perhaps that's the way we're going to be going in the next year or so with the circumstances we're in. Well, it's not a bad playground, is it? The, I think the UK for, for sea paddling is probably one of the prime places uh, that, that you can get. So it's not a bad place to be stuck on, on this island that gives so, so much different variety in terms of surf, swell, 
tidal streams and fantastic scenery. So uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that, Julie. I think what I'm uh, and, and you know, probably listeners are going, oh, he hasn't even got onto the subject yet, um, yeah. which is quite normal for everyone listening. Um, yeah. So if, if possible, could, um, could you, yeah, you're going through your, your, the, the new performance coach now and you know, I had great delight being on a, on a course with you recently. Um, where would you say your coaching philosophy is at, at present? You know, wh- what is your coaching philosophy? Okay, so I, I really had to give this quite a lot of thought when this, this word philosophy came up because uh, it's something that we live by anyway, isn't it? It's something that we, we live our whole lives by a philosophy um, and I coach in the same way that I live. Uh, so it really led me to set down some quite deep paths to come up with something, a few words that said all those things. So the first thing I wrote down, and I'd written notes before, were far too long, far too many words, far too repetitive. And I've got it down to a few less words now, but it's still quite a lot of words, and I'm sure it's going to become less. And each time I've read Uh, I read it back and go oh but I haven't put this in and I haven't put that in and I think it's really hard to include all the elements that you would like to Mm. put there but I'll I'll read to you what I've got at the moment um, and um, no doubt it will change again next week but uh, uh, at the moment I'm thinking that I would like to help other paddlers build confidence to achieve their own goals with honesty and integrity and in, in an environment of mutual respect and safety My aim is to create the opportunity for progression and development in a collaborative way. And I believe that I can achieve this by being motivated, hardworking and empathetic, whilst not forgetting to have fun on the water too. So that's where I am with it now. But something that I've missed in there is humour. And I think that's a really important part of my philosophy. And okay, I've said have fun on the water, but to have a little bit of humour in the day, I think that's quite important as well so yeah I would probably put that in there and the other word that I changed recently was adding the word create um creating Mm -hmm. um because my my background in my other line of work that I've been doing for the 30 years which I've, I've pretty much stopped doing that now but um I thought that it was in no way relevant to my coaching because it's so different but actually now I've come to analyse it and really think about what I did at work. So many of those same qualities uh, are the qualities that you might include in in good coaching as well. Mm. So I used to I run a team um, and keep everybody motivated and they were learning as well. So I'm teaching them on the way um, and we're all working towards a common goal, which was uh, it was within the theatre industry working on quite um, high level shows uh, and it was a you know, definite teamwork effort, mm. collaborative. So that's very important to me. Um, and I think that a lot of those qualities that I had from that business just apply to all of this too. So um, I've always felt like coming into this later, uh, I was at a bit of a disadvantage because I hadn't been through the, uh, a, a, you know, I haven't done a degree in sports philosophy or or anything that where I've been reading I haven't been reading the primary research and the academic papers that go behind a lot of um, what we read and hear now Um, but I have been actually doing it (laughs) 
And that, I think that's been one of the biggest discoveries in doing the performance coach and having some time to listen to podcasts and what did we do before podcasts uh, <laughs> and read stuff is that um, a lot of what I do I, uh, has a name. <laughs> it's yes. called something. I didn't know. I didn't know about self-determination theory uh, or you know, different theories behind motivation. But in fact, I've probably been doing some of this without even realising it. I've come to some of the same answers that I've been reading about. So it's been a real eye opener to me to find that someone's done research on this uh, and it's backing up what I've discovered myself along the way. I, um, by by experimenting um and so yeah i've really been i've been enjoying that i know i've gone totally off no track you haven't i've forgotten no. the original question that you asked no. me <laughs> i think the listeners listeners i think you know you've you've clearly articulated your your coaching philosophy julie i think you know from what from 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 what i know of you is you know really lovely to see the stuff like mutual respect come out collaborative mm. approach it's actually their goals, not your goals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Abs yeah, and I think that was really well articulated. And I think that's really important for people and, uh, to, to sort of, you know, to, to listen to, especially when we start to maybe investigate, well, how do you apply that? It's quite interesting that you say, you know, you've, 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 you've got a career. I was going to say mm -hmm. you had a career. You've got a career. <laughs> yeah. you've, you've, you've been working in, in that particular area, and you're going, actually, I'm doing a lot of this already. So mm -hmm. you've gone from an application stage in, in your previous life, mm -hmm. let's just call it your previous life. Mm -hmm. Then you've done your research and you said a lot of it is backed up. So it's backing up what you're already doing. Mm -hmm. Has anything actually questioned what you've done? So rather than it just backing oh, yes. up, has any que anything questioned uh, it? Uh, absolutely. And, and it's got to be the biases and the heuristics, because reading those, I don't think anyone can read all those and think that you don't apply some of those without even meaning to. Um, so that, that's been a, quite an eye-opener and quite some, something that's made me question what I do and how I do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's been a real good line of research. Okay. And and biases, are, you know, biases within reason are are absolutely fine, aren't they? You know, it's, 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 well, I think so. everyone's so got them. aware of them. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, a bit of a delving question then. When you're coaching, what biases do you need to be conscious of? Your own biases. My own biases. Um, I definitely um, stereotypes somebody turns up in front of me and I'm trying really hard to make not make a judgment about how they look um, whilst trying to take on board the things about how they look that could be important to me like what kit they're carrying uh, or what state their kit's in or you know, whether it's all brand spanking new never been used or whether it's a little bit tatty and could do with replacing um, and whether it's that or whether it's, you know, I, I hate to say it, but you know, whether it's some sort of cultural or social mm. um, bias, which I'm, you know, I try really, really hard not to, but mm. it's some stuff must be there in the back of your brain. You're unconsciously making a bias to, to some, somebody turning up in front of you. So it, it's a difficult balance, isn't it? But I think being aware of it is, is the way to go. And by just, asking the question and letting that person talk and then listening to what they say and making the question very open as well so that they can actually answer it 
you know you haven't led them down a path of what you want to hear from them you've you've given them an open question so they can speak and then you can really work out what it is that they need from you or what you can offer them yeah. uh, in the day so definitely I'm I, uh, stereotyped and then the familiarity of where I operate sometimes that's uh, you know, who hasn't been caught out by the beach they thought were gonna, was going to be there to land because you know it's there and you know you've used it before and you know it's not been surfy and it's you know, there's been plenty of room and then you turn up on one day because you've not really thought it through thought no that sort of feature is always good and you go around and it's not quite as good as it's been in the past that that kind of familiarity and I think that's it's very easy to fall into that trap when you've um when you're under a lot of pressure yeah. maybe it's with a big group or time pressure or and it's just a lot going on um so that that's definitely um one for me um I'm sure there are more. I'm sure there are many. No, more. well, I think, you know, Julie, I think what's really nice, and I'm sure everyone listening, is your your honesty and, you know, mm-hmm. of, you know, there is, I, I mean, I'm sure people, you may have read it, but there is a, a, a good book by Malcolm Gladwell on, um, uh, it's called Blink, and where oh, we, yes, make, we, we, we make quite yeah. quick judgments about things, things mm-hmm. and people. And absolutely, it's, it's fine to have biases, but as long as you're aware of them yeah. and you are, you're putting in appropriate mechanisms, like you said, spending mm-hmm. time with them, understanding what they want. So really nice for, to, for you to have that, that honesty. In terms of biases, when you talk about familiarity of venues, is, is the, when you're, when you're thinking of a coaching session, mm-hmm. um, are you, because you work on the sea, you have people in front of you, you so what makes you decide to go to a location? Is it because you like the location, it provides everything, or is it learner-driven? Learner okay, well, I, I think the, the answer that I ought to give you is that it's learner-driven. I think that's what we're looking for, because... Not necessarily. <laughs> ...learner-driven, aren't we, really? But um, it's... <sighs> Sometimes there are practicalities involved in that, aren't there, in terms of parking, access, um, where people are coming from, um, as well as what their needs are for, for, for the day. We're fortunate down here in South Devon in having quite a lot of venues that give us the opportunity to go in different directions mm. and will offer different things all going leading out of one place. And that's something that I like to use those where I know there's a lot of variation. So if I'm not sure about what we're going to do, but... I've got a reasonable forecast. There are a couple of places that I would um, resort to or one or two where I know where there's always going to be a good landing, regardless of what the wind's doing or what the surf's doing. Um, So one of the things I particularly like to do with my groups, particularly the the ones that are uh, I've got a bit more time with, where it's a six week session, is that I will always ask the group to turn up with their um, what they've discovered about the conditions for the day and uh, ask them to come up with an an option for a trip that we might do that day so then we can talk through all those possibilities and I might have some vague idea in my head but I will be led by what I hear as well mm. so I mean I know what the options are out there but um, uh, I think that it's a really good idea to have a group discussion about that and involve everybody's ideas about would that have worked would that not have worked is this good and then come back to that during the day 
uh, and perhaps at the end of the day when we have found out what it's really like and uh, then we can discuss well would that have been a good trip that might have been a better idea you know we wouldn't have come across this and that and I, I think one area that I found really seems to give people confidence on the sea is the knowledge of what it will look like linking to what they've written down on a piece of paper the night before um, I think that's quite a big leap for people and I think that's one of the reasons why they feel uh, where they lack confidence about going out because they just can't make that link between what what's going to look like when I get there is that going to be really scary or not scary so being able to experiment and discover those things for themselves uh, I think it's really key and before you even really do any paddling that's a, uh, a key issue yeah and I think you know Go, just going back to the venue, it is a balancing exercise, isn't it? It, it can't always, the reality is it can't always be learner driven when you mm. are working in an environment that is quite hostile and volatile. Mm. So there has to be a, 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 a balance of, you know, what is, what is practical. I'm quite interested in, in your, in your you, you talked about a six week session, if you were doing a six week session. Mm. And you get them involved with the planning stage. Now, um, you talk about confidence. Are you are you suggesting that your outcome, your outcome for that six week session, is to build independence or? Yeah. Oh, like, definitely, absolutely, right. definitely. And certainly within that day, if we've got someone that said, "Okay, well, I think this trip's going to work," I'll say, "Okay, well, you know, let, let's." Um, if everyone's happy to do that then should we do that then and um, let that person have a chance at leading it as well because um, ultimately you want those people to be going off by themselves so there's no point in keeping it as a secret they you know they need as much information as they can to be safe and be out there uh, and you know, that's always been my philosophy really it's only now I've started reading more about it and uh, discovering that this is not a bad idea, giving people independence. So, yeah. Uh, so what else would be on your checklist then? So if we, if yeah, don't want to say that you've got a tick list because you probably haven't got a tick list, but um, working towards independence is really important for you. Mm. Um, probably really helps with people who are within the club as well, I'd imagine, flourish and, mm. and, and start leading their own trips, which is a real healthy um, mm -hmm. club community environment. What else would be on your tick list? So one is planning. Yes. What else? Definitely. What else would be on your tick bit tick tick list for independence? Um, well, I think um, we've got to get some safety skills in there. Mm. Got to know that they're safe out on the water, um, and by giving people the opportunity to try rescues out, try their kit out, um, and make sure they know what they're doing with their tow line. Um, I've had. You know, people that turn up that have borrowed one, that have never used one, that have, and you think, well, that's what you're carrying all the time, then we need to let's make sure we use it today. Hmm. <laughs> um, so it's uh, confidence in the kit, confidence in all the stuff, the boat they're in, um, the paddle they've got. I uh, So much confidence comes from paddle skill, I think. Hmm. Um, that's, uh, that's definitely on my not really tick list, but things that I would like to uh, make sure we've covered perhaps. But, uh, um, and uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, I think that's probably, I'm sure there are more things in there that I do. And would you, I can't think of and as a coach, you know, you, 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 you are an experienced coach. What, 
where does technical expertise come in at? Would you say that's lower down the lower down the scale or is it higher up the scale? So technical expertise. So, you know, where would you where would you gauge that within your within your with your coaching in your delivery? So you're working towards the six week session. You talk about independence. Yeah. You talk about safety and rescues. Where does technical expertise come in? Okay, well, I, I think we've got to have that some of that going on in the middle there as well. But I try not to. to the the other thing I remember doing level one and level two, where we used to have the ideas uh, structure and uh, go, okay, we're going to do turning strokes today. So uh, here's your bow rudder and here's your stern rudder. Um, I, I try and include all these things, but in a much more organic way. So we by uh, creating a situation where we're going to need to use these things but not necessarily giving the tools to to do it so we'll we'll do some rock hopping and um we'll let people do some rock hopping and then then we might gather together and go okay what worked for you going around there what did you find out do you want to try uh, maybe try this or that mm. um uh, so i let it happen to some degree much more now than i ever used to um yeah i i, I feel i used to just give hand this this information out and this is what you need to do but I now don't do that I'm really aware that that's changed over the years yeah so rather than rather than you doing quite a formed established mm. skill acquisition session you're almost working in an ecological dynamic setting aren't you in where you're Absolutely. you're using the environments for people to yeah. explore what works for them totally totally and I, I just think that that gives a better outcome and mm. uh, I think people enjoy that more as well um and you see it happening in front of you you see people discovering something and it, it may be that you can nudge it slightly or direct it somewhere in some way uh but with still without giving them the the final answer that they might be looking for um, does that, and does that, as, sorry julie does that come up yeah. does that come with as that that approach ever come with any resistance that you've seen um Yes, there are people that that quite like to have uh, something laid out in front of them. But if and but if they come up to me and go, okay, well, I've tried this and this doesn't work, then I'm quite happy to share with them what might work better. Or you know, it, it's just a way of trying to draw that out of them rather than giving it to them. But if they really insist that they that's the only way they can they can learn it, then certainly I'll give them something or something to set them off down that path, I suppose, rather than the whole thing. Mm. Um, and then set them off with that. And that that sort of answers the need, I think. Mm. And that, that's lovely to hear. And as the as the chairperson for Totnes Canoe Club, you know, this yes, yes. this approach to eco ecological dynamics, um, mm. has that do you see that working in the club as well? So maybe your sessions you'll run, is that now sort of, is that how the club operates? Um, well, we've got a, quite a mixed bunch of coaches who all come from different backgrounds. Um, some who've had more recent uh, learning than others. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know that's part of the club environments isn't it you get that eclectic mix so i would not necessarily say that's happening everywhere but no. that's not also not a bad thing uh, no. uh, as well i think as long as i can try and introduce it where i uh, where i can mm. um i'm i mean the other issue that you have with clubs is that you quite often you get people are now you know you can't can you but 
say you've got six people um you get given six people you've got an hour and a half do something with them mm. um that restricts um quite how um uh, organic you can be about the session yeah. but uh, you can still you can still introduce it in there Mm. Yeah, because it adds a, it adds just another level of complexity, doesn't it? No, not it, knowing who's yeah. going to turn up on the evening, um, yeah. And it, will it will it be the same group as I had last week, or will I have someone less or someone more? Um, and and you know that's that's one of the things that I've always been really quite uh, Im impressed with with club coaches being able to to have that agility. I don't think everyone mm -hmm. would be able to have that agility. I think that is something that club coaches really are good at um yeah. and you know it is it is quite difficult isn't it so to actually plan too far in advance mm. Mm. it is and i think it's much harder work um using this more environmental approach mm. i i think because you are often juggling a number of people at a number of different stages and to keep them all engaged and challenged and motivated mm. um there are, there are easier ways to do that but that don't necessarily give um give such a good outcome yeah yeah now that's that's you know it's really nice because actually just through our conversation is we're just talking about your coaching philosophy how you coach how you approach it you you focus around the independence which is really lovely to hear building to people's confidence and actually and actually you're not you're not specifically doing a skill session you're actually allowing the environment to do a lot of the coaching. So, mm. going back to the going back to the bit that we talked about, venue venue selection is really important, then, isn't it? Oh, totally, totally. I think it's not only the venue. Well, it's the venue selection, and it's the conditions within that uh, that venue. Mm. Um, because if you choose something that's just a little bit too feisty too soon, then you're probably not going to get the outcome that you would uh, like to get. Mm. yeah because you know a lot of coaches that you know i've worked with in the past is actually if the if the venues the venues considered really carefully then mm. the coaching sort of takes care of itself uh, yes yeah mm. definitely definitely i have one of those sessions recently where i've been waiting to take a um a group and they, they happen to to be um, a group of women to our local tide race, which is at uh, Start Point. And uh, they're all a little bit apprehensive about this because it has a bit of a reputation for being a bit scary. Um, I've been waiting and waiting and I've put it off and used different venues um, because every time I looked at the forecast, I thought, oh, no, this is just a bit too exciting or there's nothing there. And uh, that when we finally went there, it was just bang on perfect and the day coached itself it really did because it was e we could easily make it progressive it was within their um you know it started off being well within their capabilities and then we were able to move out into something a little bit more exciting um uh, yeah and it was just uh the the right venue on the right day with the right people mm. and it got the right results i think as well you know, it was a really good day yeah no that's 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 really you know, really nice isn't it when everything just falls in the right place yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's absolutely lovely and i think you know on all uh, on all honesty you know is you know not every session is like that is it you know not every session that we get right um not every decision that we make is is the right decision but we have to go through a reflection process um 
So yeah, I think that's that's really nice to hear. Um, Julie, what I'm um, we're nearly coming to the end of the end of the podcast, and really appreciate your your open openness and honesty around the questions that we've asked and we've explored. Um, but I have got I have got a quite a, a, a selfish question uh, to end it on. So, um, 2021 is looking very different to, for everyone, isn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. You, you alluded to earlier that you know you're more likely going to be doing trips within the UK. Um, where would you say your top your top three locations for for you know for paddling on on the sea um and where would you encourage people to go and explore okay well anyone that hasn't come to south devon i've got to i've got to start with that haven't i because on my doorstep here which is uh i would call my doorstep somewhere between um exeter and plymouth if you like all along the coastline along here is surprisingly varied and it still has many little um, coves and beaches where there are no people and you can only land by kayak. Definitely worth exploring. Um, then if you go further west, then you've you've got Cornwall, which, uh, well, I mean, what doesn't Cornwall have to offer? Uh, I think with Cornwall, you have to you just have to be a little bit careful about the forecast because can get pretty rough especially down the end uh, around the headlands but there are you know, beautiful places in Cornwall. Um, I was able this last year to do a, a, a mini expedition down along the, the north coast which I hadn't done before um, and that was just stunning you know it is just breathtaking um, and I suppose I'm just going to have to mention Anglesey, aren't I? Because for somebody that likes a few waves and some conditions and a tide race, then really Anglesey has just got the, the tidal flow. And again, a stunning location, totally different, totally different setup for tidal circumstances and a yeah, great place to go. Okay, well, good, good uh, recommendations there. Um, certainly a fan for... Um, south devon and cornwall um and also anglesey so you know thanks for those recommendations and um, last thing before before we we wrap it up um you you talked about doing your your performance coach and your your you're into listening to podcasts and and research what are you what are you investigating at the moment what would you like to share with the listeners what you're investigating at the moment um, I've been particularly taken with podcasts on the languages, uh, the language of coaching. Mm -hmm. um, I've been listening um, oh, to uh, Nick Winkleman, mm -hmm. um, and that makes so much sense to me. And that's definitely an area that I feel that I have uh, um, something that I use anyway, but the more I read about it, the more I think, well, now I know why I use it. And now I know a lot more about it as well and why it's such a good thing to uh, to know about. So, yeah, language, I think, at the moment. Okay. Well, Julie, thanks very much for your time today. Very much appreciated. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, for more podcasts, um, please visit the British Canoeing Awarding Body website uh, and click on to the podcast function and then you'll be able to find all of the podcasts recorded to date so thanks very much and take care